The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Tom asked, how can this institution continue to exist? The Catholic Church has been losing members for decades, and less than half the children raised Catholic stay Catholic, and that his loss is increasing exponentially. The Catholic Church is increasingly repulsive to outsiders. Only by brainwashing them from birth can they hang on to a continually shrinking population. That's why the Catholic Church is so opposed to abortion and birth control. Unwanted children are the easiest to seduce. They can't recruit, so they reproduce. Glory hole, motherfuckers. Hey, guys. This song like no glory hole, by the way. Uh, this is Mark calling from St. Louis. Interesting, the Philadelphia Diocese on that website that he talked about has about the same number of fiddlers as the St. Louis Diocese and a whole bunch of other dioceses of similar size. Also found out one of the priests that I knew growing, growing up uh, at my diocese, uh, Diddler. Okay, great. I love that website. I'm going to go take a shower now. Bye. Hey, guys. You were surprised at the number of Catholic priests on that list. I just want to point out in the movie Spotlight, the guy gave an estimate that there were that 6% of all Catholic priests are pedophile. If you look at the number of Catholic priests in the world, there's over 400,000 of them. So that means the number of Catholic priests who are pedophiles is in the tens of thousands. And the guy they quote in the Spotlight movie He's a real person, that is his actual figure, and everything I've seen indicates that his estimate is correct. So, just think about that for a moment, and how much work needs to be done in cleaning up the Catholic Church. advise that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way, we bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 440 
of cognitive dissonance, and it is very political. Cecil, the midterms are right, coming right buddy. around the corner. Blue wave, right around the corner. Blue wave. I will not mm, be disappointed uh, again. Don't uh, go breaking my heart, uh, Cecil. Let's see. You know, don't we, go break. We went heart. out of our way to find a political expert. Andre Salas is joining us I right thought you, now. Didn't you just use the word expert? And. Uh, we Andre. are excited to have you here, Andre, regardless of what Tom says. I was just impugning his character and credentials, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, always always starts with the insults. I'm pretty sure the last time I was on, it started immediately with the insults. And yeah, I still didn't get a photo with Gary when I was in the studio. So the next time I'm in Chicago, you owe me a you know close and personal experience with Gary there. Hey, the mouth is open for I, a reason. Buddy. Been, we'll turn our backs and let things happen. I, I turned Gary out at a young age. I've been pimping him out for a very long time. <laughs> So you pay me and you could have as long as you want with Gary, hey man. <laughs> next time you're in Chicago, we'll cosplay as priests and you can have your way with that little boy. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you sign language, the right thing. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. That's a callback. That's a terrible callback. Yeah. So Andre, uh, you have been very busy uh, doing a lot of political things uh, in Arizona um, what kind of things have been keeping you busy? Oh God. Um, so uh, what I what I do for a living uh, primarily, and uh, obviously the Atheist Candidates Project is going to get its relaunch after this election cycle. But I, I work with candidates, so it's my job as a political strategist to uh, teach campaigns how to win. Um, and somehow every election, I get sucked into running a couple of campaigns. Um, so this cycle, just a couple, you're just running a few campaigns at a time. Yeah. Just your standard. It, it, it's yeah. You know, <laughs> do, you ever, um, do, you ever, do you ever run the same, like the same, just get the opposing sides and run them both. <laughs> oh no. Generally the way <laughs> yeah, it don't works. Don't you kind of want to though? Like I'll run, uh, I'll run both of you guys, huh? <laughs> oh, you Play mean both the same election? That would yeah. Be kind of that's fun. what I mean. Like really um, just like, are you working with Andre? I'm working with Andre. It's also like playing yourself at cha- in chess, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's there's no winning that, right? But um, I don't know. It seems like a good sell. Like I know the guy on the other team. Actually, to be honest, <laughs> if you keep doing this and getting him on both, we can really guarantee a blue wave. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so and this is one of the unfortunate things about how partisan politics works in this country is once you've gone through one of the party's doors, it closes on your way in. Um, you're, you're kind of permanently in a position where the other party will be suspicious of you. You can't switch teams. Like even like if you get surgical manipulations done like this, 2019, yeah, like, like, yeah, or, or like, what if you get like, you know, you wind up going through anti-gay therapy. Will they take you then? Yeah. Can you get like Republican conversion therapy? <laughs> well, that is actually the, uh, that's the exception to the rule, right? If you become an extremist, then suddenly the extreme wing of the party wants to prop you up as an example of, you know, the liberal coming to reason. Uh, example. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I will ask this as a, as a semi-serious question. Like does political extremist even mean anything anymore? Because like at this point, it's seems like it's just the, extreme. I think it does. Um, and I, I think that when, when we're talking about the word extreme, I think it really depends on the definition that you're operating under. Um, if we're talking about extreme as having the uh, having policies which are to the periphery of that political side of the political spectrum, I think we can still refer to that as extreme, even if those policies have become uh, they've become part of the mainstream political consciousness. Um, yeah. Are are the extremes closing in are the extremes I, I guess i'm going to ask a, a question i'm going to phrase it strangely and i still think you're going to know what i mean 
Are the extremes becoming the new center? Are they becoming the new main? No, I, I don't think so. I think there would be some people who argue that. But um, what I've what I see looking at the political recent political history of the United States in the past few decades is a movement to the right. Um, and while the extreme of of one party has has come to um, represent uh, a disproportionate uh, a portion of our government. Um, the left hasn't actually moved very far to the left. Um, like they've moved closer to where the left was back in the eighties. Um, they haven't marched all that far, uh, back in the opposite direction. Uh, and if you look at like Barack Obama, I mean, we, we pay attention to the news, especially you guys watching crazy right wing news and religious news, talking about Obama being a communist and extreme leftist. His platform in 2008 was to the right of Ike Eisenhower, who was a Republican. Wow. We're, we're trying to be um, a bigger tent than we really have to be um, to be able to have electoral victories in the United States. What do you uh, mean by I, that? I what do you mean by that? Explain that to me a little more. When we're looking at uh, Bill Clinton's actually a really good example of this. And I don't mean this to impugn Bill Clinton, but I think, you know, every president we can have reasonable um, complaints about um, with Bill Clinton. His movement moving to the right was actually on crime. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, presented himself as a tough on crime candidate for president. That was Republican language. That's something that Republicans liked. Now, Bill Clinton won. But this this strategy that they employed of of going after the the fears of white Americans to get a a Southern Democrat elected in the 90s uh, worked. Um, and no, are I we just electing people exclusively on the fears of white Americans, though? Like, is that like because I'm thinking oh, Clinton no, not entirely, and I'm thinking no. George W. Bush and I'm thinking Trump all elected on the fears of white Americans? Well, when we have a system that's rigged for that, then, yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, when uh, I know we're going to talk it, uh, talk a little bit about uh, voter suppression um, coming up fairly soon, but. Uh, when we have broad uh, gerrymandering, primarily in Republican-controlled states, there's a couple of Democratic-controlled states where this is a problem. When you get to choose your own voters, and your own voters are old uh, white Americans who are predominantly conservative, then that's the per that's the party, that's the that's the population that you have to focus on in those districts. Uh, what you end up producing is in. When we're looking at the primaries, for example, that we know that the populations that vote in the primaries have a tendency to be the more, for lack of a better term, the more extreme elements of uh, each you know, political side, um, the, the, the more committed, uh, more right-wing conservatives are more likely to vote in primaries. And when you draw districts in such a way that you are guaranteeing that a conservative will take that seat. Uh, you're setting uh, the conservative party up for a scenario where the crazy person is more likely to win in a primary and then carry the general because it's not a competitive district. Well, let's talk for a second about some predictions here, because, you know, I know Tom is over there with his blue wave cheerleader outfit on. Blue wave! Blue wave. <laughs> Give me a B. Predicting people's behavior is complicated, especially when we're we're talking about such a complex electoral system like the United States. So when we're talking about things like voter turnout um, and general voter behavior uh, in the long term, uh, we use previous elections as a sort of basis and then look at current registrations. And it's it's basically um, dynamics of how the population is changing over time uh, to project what the turnout's going to look like. And this gives us things like win numbers. The win number is how many votes this 
candidate needs to get in order to win that seat. Um, so for the the nuts and bolts of the campaign stuff, the stuff that tells us how many votes this candidate needs, what the turnout's going to look like, that stuff uh, is really, really bad. Um, and it's because turnout is all over the place. Uh, we Just looking at Arizona as an example, and then I can use Georgia as another incredible example. Uh, we were, uh, I ran some projections based on the voter registration behavior in the state last August. And it looked like based on those projections that voter registration in Arizona was going to be up 18.9% compared to the previous year. Wow. When year on year, we only saw single percentage point changes in registration. Um, that is very, that we don't know who those people are. They haven't voted before, obviously, so we can't predict their behavior based on prior voting. Um, we don't know how to contact these folks um, because they've never voted before and we it's, can't is it predict what they're going to be interested is in. Is it because they're illegal immigrants? Is that Probably, why? Yeah. Oh, you know, clearly we found so <laughs> many of them voting. You know, Chris Kobach in Kansas decided to launch a huge probe into non-citizen voting in Kansas. Guess how many they found? How many non-citizens did he probe? That's my first question. How many citizens are even in Kansas? <laughs> a state is fucking that's, that's completely deserted. That's a fucking garbage tumbleweed state. The The only time Kansas ever appears anywhere is in movies where the wind moves you away yeah. from it. <laughs> or where you need to build like a fucking like a stadium out in your cornfield. <laughs> well, so they found one. One non-citizen oh. voter. Was he Canadian? I actually don't know that. They did convict the person um, for voter fraud, which obviously they should. Yeah. But the the case that was being made by Chris Kobach was that there was broad, widespread, nationwide voter fraud uh, being perpetrated by non-citizens. Okay, yeah. But what you're missing is the multiplier effect. If Kansas has one and there's 50 states, we could have 50. Think about that effect, Andre. You know, do the math, smart guy. All right. That's about close to the actual number. I think when the Bush administration conducted their um, assessment of voter fraud in the United States, um, and don't quote me on this, I might be wrong. One of the listeners, I'm sure, probably can find the right number, but I think they found 64 instances of voter fraud out of all ballots wow. that had been cast over so the course much. of four years. Well, and we know that the election could have been swayed by five dozen votes. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently. That's, so wipe the beaded sweat off of your head <laughs> right now. Since we can't predict, there's so there's a bunch of people that sort of jump in. We really can't predict who that like who they're going to be voting for. So it's gonna it's gonna make the projections based on this election going to be even harder to do, right? Yes, but we do have some good data that we can consider reliable. Um, so the the general population behavioral data that that we we base on previous elections, that's not very good because Donald Trump fucked up literally everything about our democracy, including how we measure voter behavior. Um, but when we're looking at uh, things like a, the generic poll, for example, uh, generic poll is basically when they they you know poll voters um, and ask them if they favor the Republican or the Democrat for that congressional seat, um, and they're generally cross sectional. Sometimes they're you know state uh, generic polling, um, but uh, nationwide we're looking at in the latest polling uh, and then just sort of a normalization of the recent polling. Uh, Democrats have a nine point lead in the generic poll. So amongst voters. Uh, nine there's a nine percent, a nine point gap in the number of voters who prefer a Democrat over a Republican with the Democrats being on the winning side of that. That is actually uh, 
a very reliable test for what the outcomes of the election are going to be. Is that even reliable when you factor in what happened in 2016, where everybody that was predicting predicted the wrong thing? So I'm going to say something very unpopular. You're probably going to get a lot of hate mail for it. Um, But five. uh, So Nate Silver did not say Donald Trump wouldn't win. Uh, oh, no. No. So, no, 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 we know that. Yeah. And yeah. well, and there's a like I, I saw after the election, everyone attacking Nate Silver. And you said this wasn't going to happen. And when, when we're but when we're looking at voter behavior projections, we're looking at it from a standpoint of probabilities. So he said, I think the number he gave Trump was 23 percent chance of, of winning things that happen. Twenty three percent of the time happen all the time. There's a difference between unlikely and, and impossible. impossible. Yeah. yeah. And it's I just think unlikely, you know. Well, I guess I guess that that gets to my my broader point is that like when we're looking at at, at polls, when we're looking at uh, voter behavior and, and we look at that because we we understand that it has some predictive value. Right. Otherwise, why bother looking at it? There's, yeah. there's no reason to look at it if we don't feel like it has some predictive value. And there's a general sense out in the in the world now. And I see it online a lot where it's like. Yeah, well, here's what all the numbers say. And and here is the general prediction, which is not a guarantee. It's not a lock, right? But it's a prediction of behaviors. And people say, well, none of that matters anymore. What we learned from Trump is that none of that matters anymore. Does that still matter? And that's, I I asked that legitimately, like, does that still matter? Do we still have good predictive modeling that we can say, look, it's not impossible, but this is really likely or are the polls because I I know that I know that there was some concern that like hey you know the people lied about their behavior oh yeah ahead of the election and if we lie about the behavior then garbage in garbage out so I I'd kind of like you to speak to those issues if you will. absolutely so it does have value but and I I, I want to make sure that I'm I'm uh, checking for my own biases here as someone who literally like works elections for a living and loves numbers um, it has value but there's always uh, the potential for flaws in how we gather the data. So when when we're talking about telephone polling, which is generally done by landlines, uh, done on landlines, that population skews older. That's a problem if you're trying to conduct a cross-sectional study of the American electorate. Jesus, yes, it is. And that's that's just one example. Uh, There's a reason that universities uh, and political science uh, uh, research um, is that they're Researchers are so critical about how questions are phrased to avoid inadvertently prompting an answer that the voter would otherwise not offer um, or the subject would otherwise not offer. Um, so uh, this is one of the reasons they test the batteries, the questionnaires that they use on on you know whatever population it is they're trying to measure behavior from. Uh, so there's always going to be problems in that area, absolutely, which is why when I tell people when they're sharing polls or they say, oh, well, you know, CNN published this poll that says that, you know, so-and-so is ahead by, you know, 10 points. And if it sounds outlandish, look at the methods behind that poll. Uh, we should be fact-checking everything. And if it was an internet poll, well, that internet-based poll skews young because young people use the internet. Um, it's yeah, also non-scientific. Yeah. So if you go look at the methods behind the data that you're getting from a lot of these sources, they'll some a lot of these places will even say in their uh, in their methods or somewhere on the graphics they append to this article that they put out pretending this is scientific. Quote, this is not a scientific poll. Um, so always look for that. But 
when you get into the methods and you see how they selected their population, um, the size of the population, if it's statistically significant, the bigger. What about the girth of the population? Because I'm more. Well, it depends. Are, I'm counting on that. Is what I'm saying. I'm yeah. Counting on the girth. Are, are we polling Southerners? Is <laughs> <laughs> which races do you think we should be paying attention to or more closely to? As as we uh, near the midterms. So if, if you're if you want to do more of the political spectator uh, sport stuff, um, I'm, I'm going to I've got a few of those that you should be keeping an eye on. But the races that people should be paying the closest attention to are the races uh, in their own district. The white races, um, right? The, <laughs> again, we're back on the south. I don't know. Just yeah. keep moving right back to the south. Um, yeah. No, the races in your own district, uh, the the. Races that overlap with where your home is, because there may be a candidate there who can win, who may need your help. And if it looks like that candidate in recent polling is showing that they're one point ahead or two points ahead or one point behind, they're in the margin of error. Get off your ass. Call the campaign. And disenfranchise black people. phone calls. Um, no, call black people. Um, help, <laughs> make sure people get to vote, right? Um, especially uh, in in some states, when we get to uh, voter suppression, especially people of color, they need to know their rights when it comes to this election. Because in some states, the voter suppression around people of color is is blatant and severe, yeah. um, and uh, it's something that we need to watch for. So, so those of us who have less to lose in this election. We don't only need to vote because like the, the republic is on fire. Uh, we don't just need to vote because we don't like the guy who's in the White House. We need to vote the entire ballot, including in states with judicial uh, um, uh, sections on the ballot where you, you get to decide whether or not you're kicking judges out of office or justices out of office. Uh, because there are other people depending on you casting that vote. If there is a race in your state, uh, I'll give you a good example of something that people might not think is all that significant. In Arizona, we have um, uh, Kathy Hoffman. Uh, she's running for superintendent of public instruction. Uh, she is running to replace a person who tried to water down our evolution standards in our science classes. Um, and the person she's running against uh, is... He has some questionable financial ties to um, privately owned charter okay. schools. Uh, Kathy uh, is running in a state that prohibits teachers from talking about LGBTQ issues, period. One of her platform positions is non-discrimination. What? what? If you stay out of this education election in Arizona and you say, well, I don't really know what this is about. The schools are going to do their own thing. Oh, it's an executive office. They're going to do their own thing. And the Republican wins that election. Um, the former California Republican congressman running in Arizona wins that election. We will continue our policy of treating LGBT students who are asking for help or guidance from the school or being picked on for being LGBTQ. Uh, continue our policy of not allowing teachers to address those issues in a personal way. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask you this question, man, because I think this is like the most important piece. Like, Almost a third of people don't vote, right? And that's true. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm right there with you. Like, but that's gotta get. We gotta <laughs> fit. Like, like I'm gonna vote, right? And we're having yeah. this conversation. Cecil, you're gonna vote. I've always, I've never missed an election. Cecil, have you ever never, missed an election? Never. never missed an election. So, like, there's a certain group of people. It's like we're preaching to the choir. And I have to say, like, as much as I would like to pretend mm -hmm. that what I do when I have a ballot is I carefully 
look at every can. I don't. At this point, I'm like, yeah, I can't vote for a Republican. I can't do it. I've never been able to do it. I, I, but how do we get the other third voting? How do we get the other third of people voting, Andre? Because they're not fucking voting. And that's a lot of people. That's a really good question. Like, we have this really strange mentality amongst non-voters in this country that their vote doesn't matter. Um, and oh, and if it's not that, it's that they don't vote because they didn't like any of their options. Um, so it's usually one of those two categories. My vote doesn't matter and I don't like my options. But like what you just described, like there's problems with the options. Like there's always problems with the options. Like in Illinois, the governor that I want to win is a man I think is disgusting. Like mm-hmm. Pritzker, I want Pritzker to win. Because he's just less worse than the other guy who's yeah. much yeah. worse. Well, that's the feeling about Kirsten Cinema amongst a lot of progressives in Arizona. Um, Kirsten Cinema has uh, a habit of bucking the Democratic Party. Um, she is an agnostic who uh, has distanced herself from the secular community. Um, and she, when we look at her voting record, about 60% of the time she votes for things that, that Donald Trump supports. Um, and she's a Democrat. So, you know, our, our own Joe Manchin. But I know that uh, if when, you know, the Mueller investigations concluded and uh, if that investigation reveals that Donald Trump was complicit in this uh, a Russian attack on our election, um, Kirsten Sinema would vote to impeach um, because that is the reasonable thing to do. Um, she bucks her party when she thinks it's reasonable to do so. Now, we have a lot of purists uh, in our party, just like the other party has a lot of their ideological purists who say, well, I can't vote for them because – you know, they voted with Trump on this one issue. But the other person, the uh, Martha McSally, that person who's running, uh, she removed her support for DACA from her website. Um, she's accused Kirsten Sinema of treason and claimed that oh she wants God. to let ISIS in the United Christ. States. She's rambling about MS-13. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, what, you're, has, what you're basically describing is somebody who votes for what Donald Trump wants 60% of the time or somebody who votes 100% of the time. Those are your options. They're shitty options, but it, you got to go with the less shitty option. Yeah, well, it's, it's like... Do you want to get hit in the thumb with a hammer? No. Okay. Would you like to get your eye gouged out? Well, I'll take the hammer to the thumb. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Like I don't want either of those (laughs) awful things to happen to me, but like, that's also an easy choice. It is. It is. If those are my only two choices. But what I find, what I find maddening is this idea. And I, and I, I would love to know how we can work actively, actively work to combat this is this, this fucking apathy based around, you know, I'm going to let the perfect be the enemy of the okay. I'm not yeah. even going good. Yeah, and it's dropping you know? good. Like, I, I, we can't, like, that That mentality is a bullshit mentality, and it's for liars. Mm-hmm. And, like, every time we allow that to be something that is said without shame, without a social yeah. stigma attached to not voting, like, what do we need to do? Like, how do we need to, like, I want to get out and canvas for people, like, get out and, you know, hey, who are you going to vote for? But, like, at some point, it's like, Fucking vote. That's actually part of not how even you who are you going to vote for. And who are you going to fuck? You like, just get out there and do the thing with your thumb. American voters require um, aggressive persuasion. It's it's bizarre. Like the the French when it was Nicolas Sarkozy running against Ségolène Royal, um, they had eighty four percent voter turnout um, in in You'll a race that, that was um, that was characterized by broad scandal on both sides. Eighty four percent of the voters turned out. Here we we run for the hills. We stay away from the polls. Uh, to me, and I, I can't say that I have data to support this part of it, but I, I think it's about building relationships and communicating to people the importance of their vote to other people. 
to people they care about, to their family members, and the impact of their choosing a protest vote or choosing not to vote uh, that that's going to have on people they care about and on them. Uh, canvassing is a great way to do that. If you're knocking on doors of undecided voters and you're you're talking to them, you're just an average person who's volunteering. You're not being paid. You're saying, hey, I'm a volunteer and I, I'm, I'm hoping to earn your vote for this candidate who I care about because they support these things that will make our lives better. Uh, that makes a difference. Canvassing, I know, makes a difference. That is the most effective way to get somebody out to vote is to actually knock on their door, shake their hand and have a conversation with them like a human being. If more people vote, do Democrats win more often? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I knew that's that fucking answer. Yeah, the, the, answer is easy. the answer is easy. Yeah. yeah. Right. When when voter turnout is high, Democrats win. Uh, when voter turnout is low, Republicans win. That's uh, almost like that's what most people want is this set of policies. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, well, and, and let's is, talk, let's let's transition directly into the voter suppression that's happening specifically in Georgia, but in other places, yeah. too. Oh, and absolutely. We can do that. Um, and I, I did want to mention uh, for the uh, I talked about, you know, focus on your local races. But if you're looking for just some spectator stuff uh, before we jump into that, Arizona uh, for the Senate um, is a good state to watch right now. We have our, our Democrat is up one point, uh, which is within margin of error, of course. But that's going to be hard fought. Nevada, Missouri. Uh, the governor's race in Georgia is going to be a very interesting one to watch. What makes it so interesting? So, uh, and I'm ending on Georgia um, simply because Georgia is um, the hotbed for voter suppression right now. Um, this is something that Stacey Abrams, uh, who's running for governor in Georgia, and she would also be the the first black female governor to be, to be elected in the history of the United States. Um that's something they accounted for, and they made a massive push for voter registration uh, to get new voters on the rolls. Uh, Georgia might elect a black woman Democrat uh, to governor while their current secretary of state, the person who's responsible for overseeing the elections, is running against her and attempting to rig those elections. And he's well. doing it. He's doing it. One of the specific things he's doing is there's a no errors clause or something on their on their ballot on their voter registration. So if you have like a hyphen that's misplaced, they'll just take you off the rolls. Oh, come on. And they've been doing it for a lot of people and a lot of people that have, most of the people that have been disenfranchised are blacks because that was a lot of people who got added to the system very yep. recent. Right. Oh, I have a list. <laughs> so his uh, so in addition to that, his office has retained more than 53,000 voter registrations um, that they've just not processed. Eighty percent of those are were from people of color. Uh, they've closed motor vehicle department offices on the weekends uh, during the last weekends to register to vote. Uh, it's uh, likely that this race, by the way, will be decided by fewer than 50,000 votes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How is this? How is any of this not getting pushed up? Into the court system. I mean, this seems, this seems illegal. Some of it is. How the am I? The problem is when you, when you do it, when you give the order uh, on the last two weekends that people can register to vote on <clears> that first week uh, or like a couple of days before uh, that, uh, that motor vehicle division office is supposed to be open on that weekend, the courts don't have time to react. So they get away with it. Um, and it, it gets it gets worse. So they, they back in 2017, they purged 100,000 people from the voter rolls for not voting in 2016. Uh, the largest change that we can project in voter behavior this year is from non-voter to voter. Well, what the fuck? I, I guess like 
How, again, how are they getting away with this? Like, like, has nobody taken them to court and holding them accountable? Is this not criminal? Is there? This year they purged 700,000 voters from Google. Was that all? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, uh, close to, um, close to a million. Uh, so around 800,000 plus, you know, Jesus um, Christ. his office is currently being sued, uh, for, uh, racial bias in their voter purges. Um, so we do, that actually is being pursued in the courts. Um, and we have people in both parties, um, officials in both parties calling him to resign as secretary of state, because it appears he's manipulating the election. He is running in for governor. Um, and this is, this is the same asshole. We played his his commercial on our oh, yeah, show where he's like, I got a big truck and I'm going to stuff the illegals that in guy. it. That's the same guy. That's, that's that, guy. that guy. That's him. Yeah. That guy that's is a that lunatic. Guy. Yeah. That's um, that guy with the fucking clean yeah, and pressed well, flannel. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Clean pressed flannel. Yeah. That mm-hmm. guy. He's like, I got a pickup truck. Oh my God. Yeah. I got a shotgun to shoot. I got, I'll sh- I'm shooting down legislation. Oh I'm shooting blacks. I mean, legislation. No, no, he's, blowing, black legislation. he's blowing up <laughs> government spending. He literally oh, yeah. exploded. Well, sure, yeah. Um, I don't know if he had a bill, but he just had an explosion behind it. There was, yeah, some random yeah. explosion. That was uh, that was all of his campaign's budget for uh, for videography. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> that guy's gonna win. But, it's blood but, on graphics. <laughs> but thankfully, he's got plenty of packs backing him, so he's good on that, right? Um, so precincts that are predominantly people of color have experienced purges, um, but there is one precinct in Georgia that is predominantly white uh, and overwhelmingly conservative, and their voter turnout is at two hundred forty percent. What? I'm not a I'm not a math magician, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that that's how that numbers is good. That <laughs> precinct has turned in more ballots than they have registered voters. Okay, just uh, uh that's not a possible. Mm-hmm. How the fuck? What the actual? You know what it is, huh? They wound up getting some people from Russia to come over and vote in this election. Oh my god, that's what happened, Tom. He's for to be. I am. <laughs> it's a, it's illegal voting. <laughs> what do you want? I am from Georgia, maybe not this yeah, Georgia, it, it, but it's, it's different Georgia. Georgia. At, at this point, our, our, not. our elections are being decided by illegal immigrants from Russia and Honduras fighting each other at the polls. <laughs> uh, God bless America. <laughs> so if somebody is a victim of voter suppression, they feel like they're a victim of this. Is there any recourse? Yes, there is. Um, so. And, and to, be, to be fair, so for, folks, <laughs> for folks who um, have had their ballots held back um, as uh, their absentee ballots um, held back after a handwriting analysis was used to disqualify them, uh, a federal court ruled that they are required to inform those voters. Uh, and if the voter doesn't respond, they have to count those as provisional ballots. Um, so at least on that part, the tossing the ballots because, oh, the signature looked it's a little funky or that S isn't as squiggly as it is on their driver's license. Uh, that has been thrown out. They have to keep those ballots. So that's good news. Um, if you are going to vote on Election Day uh, and you are told that you are not on the rolls, ask for a provisional ballot. Uh, you you have the right to receive a provisional ballot. Uh, first, ask them to double check the rules. Ask them to check again because you know mistakes happen. There, the, the poll workers are only human beings. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if they can't find you, demand a provisional ballot with a receipt. Uh, you are the law provides you that right to request that ballot. Period. What they'll do afterwards is then verify whether or not the person who um, claimed to be the person casting that ballot is eligible to vote. Uh, and if they can confirm that, then that ballot will get counted. But yeah, you but you have can also to like, cast the ballot. I had also heard too that you have to go 
um, and within a certain time in some states to show them like an ID or something like that. It was you that cast that ballot or something like that. Like, is that something that you've heard? The law varies from state to state. Um, but as far as your right to cast a provisional ballot goes, if there are ID laws for receiving the ballot just in general, you may have to present identification yeah. at that time yeah. just to get the ballot. And I have a um, feeling like the provisional ballot should have something on it. And if not, go look it up on the internet and find out what you need to do to make sure your vote counts if yeah. you get a provisional ballot. Yeah. So if you live in a state that has voter ID laws, uh, go to your state secretary of state's website and look up the ID requirements. If you don't know, if you live in a state that has voter ID laws, Go to your state secretary of state's website and look up the voter requirements. Um, well, how do I know they easy. counted my vote? Uh, I know, so, that I know, like, like, how can I verify? I've got a receipt in my hand. How do I know that they said that's Tom? You can check with your elections office. So, um, and it varies state to state, but in Arizona, the county recorder's office handles elections. You can check with the county recorder to see if they have recorded that you have voted. The ACLU has an election protection hotline. Um, I, I want to give you that phone number so you can provide that to people. So if they're being denied access to a provisional ballot or there's intimidation going on at their polling place, they can call this hotline for help. What is the hotline number? It's 866-OUR-VOTE. So, uh, Andre, uh, when you get the uh, it's what what is the project as Atheist Candidates Project? Atheist Candidates Project. Yeah. When you get that back on the air, let us know. When you get it back running, let us know. We'd like to talk to you about it again. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah. if anyone wants information on the project, the website's still up. Uh, the next year is going to be mainly fundraising so we can build out the um, the nuts and bolts and the infrastructure to make the project successful. Uh, you can go to atheistcandidates.com to get more information on that. Uh, and I'm going to make my best effort to, to make the podcast circles and start showing up at the con conventions and whatnot, because, uh, I got to raise uh, $700,000. So uh, I am going oh, to be very busy. <laughs> well, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You were, you were a, a, a treasure trove of information and uh, blue wave, buddy. Blue, blue wave. wave. It's happening. Hey, thanks for having me on guys. Have a good night. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Why don't you answer him? He's talking big like mine. I don't know what he's saying. He's asking you if you swear. No, but I know all the words. He's asking you if you'll swear to tell the truth. Truth is stranger than fiction, Judgey Wudgey. <laughs> so the story is from Right Wing Watch. This is Rodney Howard Brown uh, suggesting that Ruth Bader Ginsburg should be shot for treason. Hmm. Um, I'm sure this is going to be a reasoned approach. Yeah. So this is based on uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was recently uh, interviewed. And when she was well, interviewed, not recently, was, it was a, it was during Europe spring. So 2012. Oh, is this just now coming up six years later? Well, just now that they're bringing it up. Yes. Like did it, did he just decide six years after the interview that like he was worried about it? I think he may be still mad about it. Wow. Is I he know. still mad about his junior high girlfriend dumping him? Or I what? know, right? Like, like this is a recent story. So, yeah, forgive me. October twenty fourth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, it was two thousand twelve. Was when she was interviewed. Like, I literally can't yeah. understand a world where you're like, you know, six years ago, you made this kind of like it's fucking six years ago. Yeah, two thousand twelve. It was in February. <laughs> so, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I guess, in two thousand twelve, was interviewed and she was asked you know, would you use the U.S. Constitution as a model for other budding democracies? And she said, well, I would think I would take advantage of all the work that has been done building other governmental uh, and constitutional structures. She specifically pointed out uh, the European uh, human rights document. I forgot what the fucking thing is called. 
um, the South African Constitution, yeah. um, and the, the Canada uh, Charter Canada for Charter Charter Rights, and, and, Rights and, Freedoms. and Freedoms. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, she's like, yeah, you know, I don't think I'd look at a 200 and plus year old document. I'd look at some stuff that's more recent if I were building a brand new government. Hmm. Well, let's see what, uh, let's see if, if that's what, if he's up, why he's upset. Cause it doesn't yeah. seem like, it seems like a reasonable position. We have generations of generations of lawyers and judges who have all been taught this, this supremacist kind of ideology that nobody can even question a judge. Well, it is called the Supreme Court. <laughs> so... I mean, like it's kind of in the name. Well, and like, I don't know that I don't know that I believe that. Like, first of all, a judgment by its nature is generally pretty final. It's pretty final. That's how judgments right. work. But were you to question it, you would maybe appeal it. Hmm. So there'd be like a process, a process in place. Huh, that's that. weird. It's almost like there are entire structural elements built into justice. To literally question judges. And that's the thing that we need to break. That's well, the thing that needs to break. Which is actually shocking because if you hear Beta Ginsburg talk, she talks about the Constitution of America being totally flawed. And that if they were there to write, rewrite the Constitution, they would not use the U.S. Constitution. That's not what, that's not that's what, she's not saying. what she said. Plus, nobody's suggesting that we rewrite. If you were going to rewrite the Constitution and you just used the Constitution, right. you would just... Copy the Constitution. Why would you use, like, if I was going to rewrite Stephen King's It, I would use Stephen King's It. And then when I was done, I would have just a transcribed copy of Stephen King's It. That is a stupid fucking thing to say. I think, you know, if if you're going to be talking about writing something today, she makes a great point when she says, if I'm going to write a Constitution Day, I'm going to pay attention to stuff that's a little more recent. Yeah. Stuff that pays attention to people is people's dignity as a human being and, you know, maybe write something a little different. I think, I think the problem that we have, and it's a problem that we've been running into forever is that we just think that no matter what this document that was written, you know, over 200 years ago is absolutely perfect and nothing can be changed on it. And I think that if the founding fathers were here today, they'd be like, what are you a fucking bunch of idiots? What is wrong with you? Well, they, they, there's a, they, they built, built into the yeah. system a, cha- a way in which to amend it. I, but one of the first things that happened is the Bill of Rights was tacked onto it. They're the amendments. Yeah. They amend the first thing. Yeah. Because the first thing wasn't fucking perfect. As the model. Yeah. Well, she actually said that to, uh, she was invited to Egypt back during the Arab Spring when they were going to rewrite their constitution. She sat before an Egyptian journalist who asked her point blank. Why are you speaking? (laughs) As the Egyptians are writing their new constitution, should they use the U.S. Constitution as a model? This Supreme Court justice who took an oath that she would support the Constitution of the United States without hesitation, without mental reservation, flat out said no. That we need to look at the human, uh, that the the UN human rights agenda. Now, is it at that juncture, shouldn't she be removed from office? That is what- was hot. Why would you remove her from office? Those are two different issues. I, I can say, hey, I will support, I, I, will, I will uphold my responsibilities as a Supreme Court justice yeah. as they relate to the Constitution because I understand what it says and what yeah. it means. It does not, however, mean that it is perfect. Yeah. You're like, they are, those things are not even remotely in conflict. You got to remove them from office if, you, if they say, I like this other document too. Right. If you don't suck its dick exclusive. <laughs> Sorry. Like, Sorry. really? I'm not, 
you know, I have a poly relationship with the Constitution. So treason. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's actually wait, did he say what did he say? Treason. That is what it was high treason. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's, it's not high treason. High it's treason. literally not high treason. Oh, I want to read what high treason is. Okay. Participating in a war against one's native country, attempting to overflow its overthrow its government, spying on its military or diplomats, or, or its secret services for a hostile or foreign power, or attempting to kill the head of state are perhaps the best-known examples of high treason. Okay, yeah, well, when you put it that way, it doesn't quite meet those definitions. Right, right. Because she it's said, only It's hey, low treason. It's okay. So, yeah. it's, it's bottom treason. It's, it's sub-treason. Mid, it's mid-treason. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually clearly what we would classify constitutionally as bad behavior. She should have been impeached immediately. You went on impeached for bad behavior. We have a president that's been literally the worst behavior I've ever seen. What is it? Is this like, is this like grade school where it's like, okay, well, you're uh, you got a yellow card today. You got a yellow. If you get a red, you're going to have to sit out in the hallway and the principal's going to come by and beat you. Or they, whatever well, they, 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 they only point out bad behavior, quote unquote, when it's somebody else, right? They, 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 they're like, look at your fucking, look at the one Senator or the representative from California. Who's like putting a bunch of shit on a charge account and flying right. all over the goddamn no, world, sending his goddamn puppy over fucking seas. Cause he wants his pup pup to sit next to him in the fucking seat. <laughs> he flies all the way fucking over there. And we're like, Oh, that's not bad behavior though. It's just only fucking gross misuse of campaign funds. Yeah. But what, I mean, as long as he, he can do all that, as long as he still fucking gleefully spreads yeah. his cheeks for the constitution, as long as he takes a lady Liberty statue, rolls a constitution up like a paper tube and fucks, fucks it, it. Yeah. like that Tansler guy. <laughs> From citation needed. Immediately. Okay. I'd have them shot. <laughs> go on, no. Well, uh, fortunately, with Kings, we got rid of the whole execution <laughs> I <understand>. thing. <laughs> but, you know, to I me- like that even she's like, no, she's <laughs> like crazy. You're and I'm crazy. So we no. don't do that. We don't kill we people. We don't say that out loud because we get sued for it. We don't like kill people for having ideas. Ever. That's not America, actually. Just take a second and think about what he just said. Someone else said, I like other documents too. No. (laughs) And he was, hey, man, what's your favorite book? And if it's not the Bible, and if it is not the Bible, the Constitution, and Ronald Reagan's biography. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they have a word. It sort of became old fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. Uh, this story is from uh, Right Wing Watch. Trump says he's a nationalist and the far right cheers. Now, I, I want to say, when I read this initially, I thought, all right, but, you know, like, he's a deeply stupid man. And so maybe he just said nationalist, meaning patriotic. Right, like he's like, he doesn't know what words means. He's like, inflammable means flammable. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I do want to read, if you'll scroll up a little bit, I do want to read what he actually said at the rally because like this was not a mistaken use of this term and he goes out of his way. This was the best part. This is the only reason to cover this is how far out of his way he goes to use this yeah. term and to be double like, down on this I'm not term. mistaken, guys. Right. Yeah. Here's what he says. Quote, 
You know, they have a word. It sort of became old fashioned. <laughs> it yeah. became old fashioned. Yeah, it became, it became old fashioned. You know, all these people were wearing these weird squiggly things on their shoulders. <laughs> you know, they printed it on a nice armband. Oh, it was back in the day. It's called a nationalist, Trump said. And I say, really? We're not supposed to use that word? <laughs> like, really? All my closest friends use that word. <laughs> Oh my <laughs> proud, proud boy friends. Use that I have, word. I have a white friend. <laughs> All exclusively white friends. So then he says, You know what I am? I am a nationalist. Okay. I am a nationalist. Use that word. Use that this word. is not, this is like the most clear moment he has. Where he says, I know what that word I, means. Guys, you don't have to you don't have to clue me in on this one. Like you do everything else I have to do in my job. So let's talk about nationalist and nationalism. Like that word is and has been synonymous the world over now. Yeah. I mean, Europe and America, that word is not accidental. That word is a word which is synonymous with far-right fascist ideology. Right. Exclusively so. Sure. Nobody else uses that word, nationalist. It is, that's, that's it. It's except for our current sitting president. It's like being a racist where you're just like, look, I'm just a racist. I just like my, I just love my race over other races, Racers, right? Yeah, over right. other, I will treat every other race poorly and I will treat my race as sort of a, let's just say like a master race. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's true. Like that's, it's, it's, I mean, it is a problem. You have to come up with a, Good solution, like the do, last the one. Very, it's like at the end, right? The final, the one, one that you're, that you're gonna use. when you're when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like after you get through a whole semester and you have a solution right? at the end of the solution. <laughs> Did you hear the crowd though? The crowd cheers for him. Oh, of well, of course yeah. they do. Yeah, because he's playing to his base. Yeah. Like he's playing to the base that got him elected. Yeah, right. Which is the angry, disaffected, poor, uneducated white people. Yeah, and like. That is not me being shitty. That's literally his actual base. He said during the campaign, I love the uneducated. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, of course you do because they're the dumbass dipshits that are out there. They're easily fucking, duped. Right. They're easily duped. They're not fact checking anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. We've got a nationalist in chief. Tom, this is the most racist thing we've ever covered on the show. And I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to preface this, that I'm going to play the audio for this. And it is the most racist shit I've ever heard. So this is uh from right wing watch neo-Nazi website targets, Andrew Gillum, who's running for uh governor oh, yeah. in Florida. And they target him with a robo call. And it's a white supremacist group. Um, Basically sent out this robocall. I'm just going to start playing it. Well, hello there. I is the Negro Andrew Gillum. Oh! Oh, Cecil! We are, oh, we are, Cecil. we are, We Tom. are in new territory we right are now, buddy. five seconds into this oh, clip. I gotta go. <laughs> Whoa, boy. Okay. Uh, here anyway. We, here we go. Uh, stay tuned for the puppy bowl. <laughs> We're doing that later. <laughs> 
then also, it's so bad. It's so, so bad. Now I'll be asking you to make me governor of this here state of Florida. What is he like? Fuck it. Is he like from, is he like an old timey minstrel from like, like Andrew Killam is like time transported from 1855. <laughs> These people like seriously have never met a black person, no. right? Cause they're fucking doing old timey show tune talk. That, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, it's like, okay, all right. And black people sound like this. Like, <laughs> what's no, exactly no black it. people sound like what's like. The, yeah. But instead they all sat around like, that's brilliant, Jim Bob. <laughs> high five. Oh, each my other. God. Gosh, you sound just like a black person. Who can we get that sounds black to do this? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> I wonder if that guy gets shunned after. I know, that's what you, I know, say. you know, Jim, you did a really good job sounding like that black person. Yeah. You almost sound like a black person. You know, in fact, you're out of the club. <laughs> uh, we're going to. Tie you to this truck and give you a ride home. I notice you tan real easily. Call me monkey. Oh wait, what? That's a hold on. He he said something. Called me monkey. I gotta rewind it a little bit, guys. call me monkey. He's doing a lot of hollering about how expensive my plans for healthcare be. But he be thinking of a white man's medicine, which is very expensive because it uses science and whatnot. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's not even interest so bad. It's, it's just like so bad. Also, can we talk about the audio? I know quality? it sounds like it was recorded in a saltines box across the room. Who is it's listening like, to this like, call? It's recorded on like a Nokia flip phone from like 1999. If I got this call, I'd be like, oh my God, it's the past. <laughs> the past is calling me. Grandma, are you alive, Grandma? You almost have to tune it in better. Why are you so racist, Grandma? <laughs> grandma. <laughs> Medicine, my African race, be very affordable. For instance, putting the chicken piece under your pillow during the full moon don't cost hardly nothing at all. So I, I didn't understand all that, but I, I will say, I'm, I'm my my jaw right chicken now. Chicken feets is what he said. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The, he says the black my black medicine of my people is putting chicken. I think, feet it's, under but your he pill. said something even more racist. So let me let me let me let me rewind. How it. could you have anything more racist? I don't know. Than that? Let me rewind. My African race, be very- African race is yeah. what he said. Yeah, okay. they, see, he, it was yeah. more racist. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it turns out we can't even up these racists. Like we can't even say anything that's more racist than oh this. Oh my god! During the full moon, don't cost hardly nothing at all. So I was promised that you make me Andrew Gill to govern all every people's wealthy alien will get all the chicken feet they need. As to the claim by my esteemed opponent that I don't like the Jews, nothing be further from the truth. It was the Jews who owned the slave trade, what them brought us Negroes to America to begin with. And they the ones that been putting Negroes in charge over the white folk. Just like What is the point of just taking a shot at the Jews? And also, like, it just doesn't even make any sense. You're like, okay, so so the the Jews bring all the blacks here to be enslaved, and then later they're just like, hey, is there any way that we could just I don't know. Make them all our leaders. Uh, if you hated them that much right. ahead of time, why would you be like, well, we had a big change of heart, us Jews. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I know. It's you guys are all in charge now. It's a total just, shot over the bow over the Jews for like, no it's, reason. It's like, it's, like, oh, it's like they wrote the script and somebody's like, uh, it's not in here about the Jews. Uh, Bill, you, you didn't mention the Jews. I thought you hated the Jews. What they done after the Civil War. All the Jews don't vote me and you kill Wow. Isn't that something else? That is amazing. Who is listening to that, though? Yeah. Who is getting that yeah. call and being like, 
Well, I mean, when you put it that way, because I got a call from Andrew Gillum, and I have to say, it was unimpressive. <laughs> I mean, the only one who would this guy to that is would such be an racist. Idiot. That guy is such an idiot. That road to power guy. You're such a fool. Yeah, because the only person who's gonna st- like be like her, der, her, I sound like a monkey, der, der, uh-huh. der. He's gonna be like, yeah, who's gonna vote anyway against the black guy? Like, you have to convince I, I, him. I the guy who thinks black guys sound like monkeys isn't going to cast his vote <laughs> accidentally. Right. He's not going to trip on the way to the ballot <laughs> box and punch the wrong Chad unless that Chad is black. Then he'll punch him. <laughs> punch the shit out of him. That China has total respect for Donald Trump and for Donald Trump's very, very large brain. So this story is kind of fucking nuts. Uh, when Trump phones friends, the Chinese and the Russians listen and learn. Uh, this is kind of unbelievable because President Trump uses an old iPhone and he uses that iPhone to call people and then that iPhone is not secure. Yeah. Well, he does have, no, he has two iPhones. I thought that they said that they were, they were given to him by the State Department, but they have told him many, many times that cellular phone calls are not secure, period. Yeah. Cellular phone, it doesn't matter what it's iPhone not. he's using. Yeah. He could use the most secure one ever. Yeah. And you can still get your calls intercepted. Yeah. And he doesn't care. What he was care. told is that yeah. the Russian spies routinely eavesdrop on his calls. Yeah. And he just keeps using the phone. Well, and one of the things that they said was, they said, um, White House officials say they can only hope he refrains from discussing classified information when he's on. They can only hope. They can only hope, Tom. Hope and change left the White House (laughs) two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, along with all of my hope for the future yeah. and my hope that this is an alternate reality I will soon escape from. It, I Like, this is an old man who's set in his ways and doesn't care and doesn't believe that his aides have, like, his best. Like, the, the rest of the world is fucking laughing. Oh, my us. gosh, yeah. They are laughing Absolutely. at us. The Russians. Absolutely. And, like, the Russians have already, just like, the 2018 election is coming up in a couple of weeks. And, like, there are things we know that the Russians are doing to like meddle in our elections and spy on us actively. And like all of that, we are not in control of. We have, we don't have a handle on it. Like security experts are like, yeah, that ship has sailed. The 2018 elections are meddled with. That is, that has happened now. Yeah. It is currently happening. We didn't fix it from the 2016 problems. All of that shit is true. And while all of that is going on and should be a major national fucking crisis because it fundamentally underlies, undermines what it means to live in a democracy, the goddamn president can't be bothered to use a secure telephone. He can't be bothered. It's not like people won't fucking hand him one. Yeah, it's not like and it's not like he can't wait to use the call. Right. He can't wait to go inside somewhere instead of using it. From whatever he instead he's going to he's got to use this particular cell phone. You know, what's crazy to me is all the other presidents we've had, even the dumb ones, they played close to the vest, right? right? This guy is basically playing as far away from the vest as you can. Like he's letting everyone in the room see his hand and he doesn't care. He's so easy to predict. He's so easy. They're using these conversations that he's having with other individuals. And these aren't, he's not having a conversation with, you know, a uh, uh, national, national security, security conversation, con- a conversation right. with like, you know, somebody on his staff, they're talking about something that's, that's, uh, that is a great, uh, something right. of great secrecy. He's not to- doing that, but he has have, is having conversations with his friends, right? People that are not in 
in the know and people that it, he doesn't, he shouldn't have to have like a secure conversation with, but it doesn't matter because he's the president. So when he has a conversation like this, people are able to find his mannerisms. When is he lying? What, what does he like? What does he dislike? All these different yeah. things you can find out about him. And then you can use it to your advantage when you send skilled negotiators to talk to him. Right. Yeah. You don't have, it's, it's just blatantly fucking obvious. The stakes are so high. Yeah. The stakes are so high. And the amount of psychological data that the, that we live in a world now, we live in a time now where like data is king, like the ability to ga gather data about, I almost said gay there again, the ability to gather data about people and then weaponize that data against us and against each other. It's, this is not a world that is emerging. It has emerged. We are in that world. I read an article in the Times the other day about the data in, uh, industrial complex. This is, this is our new reality. And this gets more and more sophisticated. So handing your enemies more information about who you are and, as you pointed, who you are and how you think and where you're going to be and what you like and what you don't like, giving that stuff up freely when you're the fucking president is just irresponsible. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, treason because she doesn't like a document. How about, I'm not saying this is treason, but... This is genuinely dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. This is genuinely yeah. dangerous. He might as well just give the fucking, the Chinese uh, Secret Service his diary with a big puffy stickers on it. Right, yeah. You know, it's like, right. Bannon broke up with me, sad face, you know. <laughs> Do not read. Trump eyes only. <laughs> it's true in some cases, but they aren't all valedictorians. They weren't all brought in by their parents. Uh, for everyone who's a valedictorian, there's another hundred out there that, um, they weigh 130 pounds and they've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert. Oh, my God. This is fucking crazy. This is from Right Wing Watch. This is Todd Starnes. Treat immigrant caravan like invading force committing act of war. Oh, they're talking about the people from Honduras. Right. There is a group of 4,000 Hondurans, a, another one of these migrant caravans. And they are making their way at this very moment to our southern border. Keep in mind, Honduras. So they've got to they've got to travel through Mexico to get to our border. Got to tell everybody on this. Yeah, I I, I do like because we literally lesson. only have one person on our south, well, one country on our southern border. I looked on the map and I can't see where no Honduras attaches to Texas. So <laughs> we's probably all right. Are we good? So we have to assume that the Mexicans have given these Hondurans safe passage. Why, why didn't the Mexicans stop them at their end of the border? Why, why did the Mexicans allow them to cross their border? Probably humanitarian reasons, you stupid fuck. Or maybe they just don't have a policy, like some sort of weird draconian policy where they just let refugees in. Well, it's because Mexico, they don't care about us. Mexico. Why should they? It's Mexico! What the fuck? They're not part of our country. Do they pay taxes? Is everybody supposed to care more about America than their own country? I, Everyone's I supposed to be nationalist about America, even if they're not American. You know, like, there is a sense from some of these guys yeah. that it's like, well, yeah. that's not, like, they, they look, look around, like, incredulous. Like, well, that's not in America's best interests. <laughs> and it's like, you're German, and you're like, yeah, but it's in Germany's yeah, best interests. Yeah. Like, exactly. You know, like, what the fuck? Mexico, they don't care about the United States. So here's where we stand. There is um, a group of 4,000, I want to call them militant. You want Militant? To. Militant? Yeah. Some of these are little kids. Well, well I mean, I guess that's true. They have child soldiers down there. So that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. 
Durans. And the reason why is they're about to invade our country. Or apply for asylum uh, like the, you can. Literally the same thing. Yeah. No, it's literally the same thing. An invading force that doesn't have, you know, weapons or any sort of uh, political gain that they're attached. You know, that it's the same thing as an invading army. Yeah. See, so when 4,000, it's a child's crusade. This is really the children's <laughs> crusade. <laughs> Because that worked out, by the way. They weren't all slaughtered. So Good, good thing we good. have a lot of children's hospitals we can right. send them we'll to, just, and they can get free health care. We'll so. get them all to the Catholics. So it'll be fine. That's what they're fleeing from. Hey, you guys were running out. That's what they were running away from in those, in those Latin American countries, <laughs> those grabby-ass priests down there. I've said this before on this radio program. There was a time in American history when if you had a group of people from one country coming into another country without their permission, crossing their border... That you would evaluate who those people yeah, were and would, why they were coming. Would, and there yeah. was a time when we used to have on this great big statue this thing about tired and huddled masses, but we don't... anyway. Uh, are they brown? Yeah. It depends on where, where they land too, because you know, they could land on like an Island somewhere right? like huh. an Ellis Island and then sort we'll of thing. Change their names yeah. and make them build a railroad. Yeah. <laughs> that was an act of war. If they were armed, if they were armed and trying to take over or overthrow or occupy mass amounts of territory. They're yes. They're sending 800 troops down there. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. I did. 800 troops. I will say that this could this could be really terrible if they if those if they open fire or something. Oh my god. I, and like, this is like what he's going to advocate. Yeah, yeah. He's literally going to advocate in a moment for their slaughter. But now it's just how do you do? Here's some food stamps. Uh here's some uh, free health care for you and oh by the way, well I want that. Look, I look, I will cross the border if it means I get free health care. Because I don't get free health care. Yeah. Do you get free health care? I don't, care? Free I I don't literally don't know anybody that gets free health care. Yeah. We don't have a free health care system that you can get in this country. You can get, like, if you're super poor, I think you can get, like, like it's technically free, but it's not free because other people pay for it. And it also sucks. So you can have that, I guess. That's something. Yeah, you get, yeah. like, basic balls and, like, emergency care yeah. and some preventative maintenance yeah. care. But that's about it. Yeah. I mean, it's not good health. I'm not saying it's good health care. Right. Yeah, right. But you can get some if you're super, super duper poor. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice trade, though. Yeah, terrible. That's right. great yeah. trade, yeah. I give up all my all my wealth for that. Here's your uh, registration card for the Democrat Party. It's literally impossible to vote unless you're a yeah. citizen. But hey, you know, but, give us your dues. Anyway, here's some stuff that's not real. <laughs> I like, too, that he has to throw food stamps in there. So many working families use food stamps, you fool. You just, like, this fat prick hasn't missed a meal in all of it. And so he's just, like, he he doesn't understand that. You know, there are people out there that are working full-time jobs and still need food stamps to support their family. He just doesn't yeah. understand that. The president is now threatening to call out the military to shut down the border. And I believe the president doesn't need to threat. He needs to act. Yeah. So by his logic, yeah. what he's saying is this is an invading force. We should send the military. What does the military do with an invading force? They engage them. Well, he's saying shut down the border. I thought that's what he said beforehand. He wants well, to shut down. Shut the it down, like, but like we don't have big doors. We shut. Yeah, you know, like, and if if Ted Star, if Todd Starnes is saying this is an invading force that should be treated like militants, he's basically saying like the military is within their rights to open fire, on, on and shoot at these kids and these women and these these men who are searching for you know jobs and food. You know what? Give them the fucking food stamps if they're hungry. Like. 
what? Like we have 320 million people or whatever in this country. 4,000 people is nothing percentage wise. It's just, it just isn't. It's not a meaningful numerical addition to this country. It's just not. And if those people are fucking hungry, yeah, man, I'm cool with feeding people that yeah, are hungry. I, I say give them food stamps and don't let them in and use them. I mean, that's how you do it. <laughs> no more threatening, Mr. President. It's time to put a stop to this nonsense. I just, I say enough is enough. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired of my tax dollars going to fund and going to take care of all of these illegal aliens. And now we've got 4,000 more about to invade the country. I say it's time for the president to shut down the border. Not a single person coming into the country. I Not until we get a handle on all of this. I mean, if the reports are true and the, the reporting from Fox News is fairly accurate here, if the reports are true, we don't have any place to put the illegals. So shut down the borders, call out the military. And quite frankly, I, I, we ought to treat this 4,000-strong migrant caravan as an invading force. So shoot them. So shoot them. What do you do with an invading force of 4,000 people? You would shoot them. You would, you would like, what, are you going to just, like, drone bomb, like drone strike these guys? Like, what does he want to do? There's no such thing as a border that you can shut down. There's no big set of doors that just closes. We don't have a southern wall, even if winter is coming. Winter's not coming, global warming. But, like, we don't have a big protective barrier. There's mm-hmm. no such thing as a border. The border is a concept. Yeah. You can't close it. It's it's interesting because I'm listening to a podcast that's talking about um some of the stuff that's sort of bubbled up in 1994. So 94 um Republicans gained control of the house for the first time in 40 years in 1994. And uh when they did, they did it on a lot of issues where they basically sort of made Democrats hold a position that most of middle America wouldn't agree with, right? So they brought up partial birth abortion was their big thing where they would bring it up, bring it up, bring it up over and over and over again. And if you want women to have rights, you got to say, well, look, I'm pro-choice. And then everybody's like, oh, well, you know, you're pro-choice. And, and you know, so you you want partial birth abortions. And they sort of oh, make them right, yeah. retreat. Them and, an and then they do the same thing here where they're just like, what you want is, all 4,000 of these people to just walk right, right through yeah, our border. Yeah, you want completely open borders. You want borders. completely bo- open borders. I don't want completely open borders. Nobody's what I want is, is just regular immigration. Somebody shows up at our border, especially if they're asylum seekers, I want to make sure that we're taking care of those people. And if they're not asylum seekers, if they're somebody who's just applying, then, you know, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to talk to those people and have them, you know, go through the process of becoming a citizen. I don't think that that's a bad thing. But I also don't want, what I don't want is, you never get a chance to come in here. And every time you come to our border, whether you need asylum or not, we're just going to turn you away. That's a, that, I think that's an awful position too. But the problem is, is that most of middle America is a little farther to the close the borders than they are to the open borders. Right. So they're going to bring this up right before midterm so that they rec- everybody recognizes that the Democrats are on that side. And that's what they did back then is that they, they brought up these couple of issues. There's few issues that they brought up. And those issues are issues that most of middle America agrees with. Right. And those are the majority of the voters. Those voters are going to vote those people in, those people that agree closer to their ideals. And they've been winning a lot ever since they started doing this. Right. They're not talking about the big issues. It's tactically very smart. You know, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, 
There's a strategy to this, and they do it over it's and smart. over yeah. and over again. And that's their talking point. And for the United States of America to put the power of the federal government and all of its money and resources behind this transgender movement, it is just nothing short of insanity. So stories from the New York Times. Transgender could be defined out of existence under the Trump administration. Um, so the, the Trump administration is, um, according to the article, um, considering narrowly defining gender as a biological immutable condition determined by genitalia at birth. Um, so that basically means that there's no such thing anymore. If that, if that is the new definition, if that's the new definition. Yeah. Then there is no such thing anymore as transgender. That would no longer, yeah. that would no longer be definitionally meaningful. Yeah. And again, like I have to think like this, all this does is play to his base, right? Yeah. This plays to the fears, yeah. the the weirdly, bizarrely sexualized fears and fantasies of a trans and homophobic middle right. Yeah. That's, that's all this is. Because at the end of the day, the amount of transgender people percentage-wise in the population is not very high. You're saying like it's a million? Yeah. So against, again, a population of 320 million, yeah. you know, so it's a third of a percent, yeah. you know, so it's a lot of human beings to disenfranchise. Sure. It's a lot of lives to basically define as being less than, yeah. right? But it's not a, and I think this is important, it's not a reaction to, by the right, to a significant political threat that the transgender people pose, Right. Transgender people numerically don't pose they're easy to push significant around. social yeah. or political threat. There's just yeah. not enough of yeah. them. So they're a really good whipping boy to get all these transphobes worked up. And it's a, admittedly a smallish group of people, but yeah. you have to understand, like, like it's not just the trans people mm -hmm. that are being affected by this. It's friends and family of those people. Oh yeah, of right? course. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a, you know, we say it's a small group cause it's just that, per, but it's not just that it's not just a million people. It's a million people that also have friends and family. Oh yeah. They all, that huge network of people that know them, that, that like them, that, that don't want to see harm come to them. It's, it's meaningful. Even if you don't know, because it's just, it's just in violation of good human decency. Right. Yeah. It's just it's in violation of what we know um, to be true about human people, like how how people operate. And it's just it's a violation of people's rights and the basic rights to decency that people should have. So uh, I guess all I mean is like they make for a convenient whipping. Board no, because I, they I don't recognize have any social no but, status. But what know? I'm saying is like yeah. the amount of people that he's affecting, he's fucking over. Of a large portion of America when he does this. their whole Amway yeah, period. Exactly. Right. Pyramid, their whole pyramid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the whole multi-level marketing <laughs> that you have to buy when you get when you meet a trans person. I think that the time is is coming soon where this is not there's gonna be enough people where they're gonna say no. I think that the time is coming. I know that he's riling up a, a, a small group of very vocal people, yeah. but I have a feeling like this is gonna turn it. We already saw that it was turning, and a lot of people didn't care about it, right? right? Now they want to make it, uh, they want to, you know, the, Trump is the party of identity politics. I mean, like, let's not, let's not, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the fucking Republicans love identity politics. They love it way more than the fucking, the left does. They, they love to make sure that they bring this stuff up all the time. So, but I have a feeling like this is going to be the one thing that sort of, it's, this is, you know, the tooth is starting to wiggle. 
And it's going to, it's going to eventually be the thing that that's going to be their downfall. If they keep staying yes. hardline on it's, this. I, you know, the thing is like, we know that the base is numerically less than not the base, right? You just look at the vote in 2016. Yeah. There's just more people that are decent than are not. There are people that don't vote. And the majority of those people that don't vote also would have voted against Trump. Like it's just the majority of people in America don't agree with these ideologies. They just don't. Um, and as people grow up and become more politically aware and become more politically active, all the polling shows that younger people, these issues, they are not to the right on yeah. these issues. Yeah. This is a this is an old man's hill to die on. And it's politically expedient now. Yeah. But I think in the medium to long term, these social issue stances that the right is taking either will need to evolve they will need to progress or the Republican party will cease to be a meaningful party. This is the Matlock hour, man. Yeah, this, is, this is some this fucking is... super bird Matlock bullshit right now. Yeah. And everybody who's on this train is dying yeah. off. Yeah. These are the people who would support judge Wapner for the Supreme court. Right. Yeah. yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Bible museum admits some of its dead sea scrolls are fake. <laughs> so this is great because in Washington, there's a museum of the Bible, which just opened in November of last year and huge, massive amounts of money were spent to acquire these sort of biblical archeological goods yeah, yeah. Um, in, in some very dubious ways across the world. And in fact, the uh, Hobby Lobby people, I love it's the Hobby Lobby. People. I know. I love it. They Lobby spent people. millions of dollars acquiring these biblical right. archaeological artifacts, sure. right? Except for. And they were cheap knockoffs. That's weird. Huh? Uh -huh. That's weird that the Hobby Lobby people got, huh? cheap got, cheap, <laughs> got tricked by cheap they're knockoffs. Like, they've got their Dead Sea Scrolls. They turn it over. There's a Made in China sticker <laughs> on it. They, like, oh, man. He turns to his wife. He's like, I told you 50% off on Dead Sea Scrolls was not a good deal. <laughs> I got a BOGO on Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> and this 20% off coupon. I'm really like, they're paying me yeah. to take them. <laughs> You like super coupon your way into like these cart full of Dead Sea Scrolls. You're like, it's a, a, a TV is, yeah. extreme coupon my way into these. <laughs> they you come to the line. They're like, we're only going to let you get half off that Sea Scroll if you could stuff it in this bag. <laughs> <laughs> He's stuffing a priceless document <laughs> into a bag. Well. He's shoving it into the bottom. <laughs> but it's, let's hold on though. Because it might not be so priceless. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not worth as much as a shredded yeah. bank. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. It's a, what it is, is like somebody in there, you know, got the whole of their calligraphy set and then they took a bunch of coffee and dipped yeah, paper. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like when and you then, were a kid. Yeah, <laughs> they put it in there. And then every time the curator comes by and opens it up, he smells. He's like, he's got it. Man, I got to go to the bathroom again. I got to take a shit. <laughs> it smells like coffee. <laughs> It's triggering the old motion in me, you know? Hello, my name is Jesus. Okay, and your name, sir? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, 
It's so at least five of the sixteen. Yeah. It's not like one. Five of the sixteen yeah. scrolls at exactly. least. Yeah. At least are fake. Yeah. It might be more. Well, the one they found out because the guy had to. The guy. It says on the very top. It's like get out your Ovaltine rings, and you're like, that's <laughs> that. Clearly, that's not. Like it's a coded document, but it's not no, like a right. like an Aramaic coded document. So. Oh my god, it's so fucking delicious, you stupid assholes! <laughs> <laughs> I I want to mention too. It says in addition to the alleged, this is what you had mentioned. And listen to the, uh, the alleged Dead Sea Scroll fragments. The Greens ran afoul of the Justice Department, which they said that they had acquired thousands of smuggled artifacts looted from Iraq and elsewhere. And the family last year agreed to return those artifacts and pay a $3 million fine. Fuck you. I I also like this line because after they were, they they discovered the fraud, the chief curator for the museum of the Bible said, quote, this is revelation is an opportunity to educate the public on the importance of verifying the authenticity of rare biblical artifacts, the elaborate testing process undertaken and our commitment to transparency. And I thought, yeah, but you're supposed to do that before you buy it, you stupid motherfucker. But I love that you bought it on faith. <laughs> I love the idea, too, that this guy's like, well, I'm just trying to elucidate the importance of buying things, false things. It's like a preacher being like, look, I just wanted to show you guys how bad it is to fuck a hooker. That's what I, <laughs> it's bad. And I was just trying to show you right. how bad that is. So I want to thank our patrons. Um, Buttercup's Law Cat Services. Call 831-CAT-LAW-1 to talk to a law cat today. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Mean. I hope it's real, though. Magnus, Diane, Mark. This is mean. Noah's diatribe equals whinier than Glenn Beck, as seen on the Glenn Beck show. <laughs> That's super mean. Encyclopedia Dumb America.com. Encyclopedia Dumb America. Jen, Aaron, Rob, and Ash. Thanks so much for your generous donations. We really do appreciate uh, all that you do. So we got a message. Um, this is from Emma, and Emma sent us a picture about her and her partner on Northern California over the weekend. They wound up coming across a sign, and it's a glory hole sign, a street sign. I kind of love it. I like that there's a glory hole drive somewhere. You got to drive just, it into the glory hole. Can you just knock on anyone's door? There? <laughs> Actually, you can't, but you can put whatever you want in the mail slot. <laughs> <laughs> this was an interesting message. This is from Matt, and Matt said he just wanted to let us know that, you know, there's a couple other things that Trump voters have in common. Uh, with Trump, they were convinced of his competence because he's rich and, you know, maybe if he's rich, he's smart. And they think he has blue collar roots. Um, he started in his his dad's mailroom, just like the kids, uh, just like his kids, they know the value of a dollar. And basically they, they've they been lied to and they bought it. Um, that's absolutely true. I think that there is a bill of goods that Trump tries to yeah. sell about himself Um and you're right, they, they, he lied about it and they believed it. So you're right. He, he, in reality, he doesn't have anything in common with those people. I no. mean, he eats off a fucking golden plate in a golden house. Yeah, he takes a shit in a golden toilet. We got a, a tw- I think it's a tweet. Oh my God, this is crazy. And it's from fucking Greg. And he sh- sent us, Alex Jones just goes to, I guess he was at the Ted Cruz rally um, or maybe the Beto O'Rourke rally. I don't know. Yeah. And he, was outside and then he was just screaming at a pile of shit as a joke to try to say it wouldn't talk to him and it wanted to get interviewed. And I think he was saying it was Beto 
I think he I'm was. Sure. He's pretending he doesn't know the difference in a pile of shit and the other political side or what. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's just trying to get attention yeah. and relevance. Yeah. And it is so incredibly yeah. pathetic. He has basically become the ultra low cut shirt. Absolutely. Of, Absolutely. of internet yeah. media. Yeah. Right? So we're going to post a clip. Oh, we're going to post the uh, the link to this. It's a t- Twitter status, but it's on Periscope. So we're going to post it on this week's show notes. This is episode 440. Got a message uh, from Austin and Austin said that there was an, an interview between Ga- David Pakman and Jesse Lee Peterson on Jesse Lee Peterson's sh- show. And uh, we are going to post a link to it on this week- week's show notes. Um, we thought David Pakman was a great guest. We really enjoyed talking to him. Um, and I'm in, I'm actually anxious to see this. We Tom and I skimmed through part of it, and it was really cringy. But it was uh, hard to watch. But uh, but check it out if you want. It's on this week's show notes. We got an image from uh, from Bryce, and this image uh, is actually kind of funny. It's a it's, it's a pretty clever image um, about Republicans and voting day. We're going to post it on this week's show notes. It's episode four forty. So this uh, tonight before we recorded, we recorded a live show that we posted to Facebook live and to Twitter and to Twitch and to a couple other places. YouTube got most of it, but not all of it. Yeah. Um, but it's available on a bunch of different platforms. We're going to try to do it again next week on Thursday. We're going to try to do another sort of short stream where we record a couple stories. So if you're around in the evening, you know, eight, nine o'clock on uh, Thursday night and you want to watch uh, us do a live stream, you can check it out. Remember that we're doing an election night live stream on the 6th. You want to mark your calendars. We're going to be going on for a couple hours at least. Um, Heath Enright will be in studio. We may have a couple call-in guests, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really excited about yeah, it. It should be horrible. I'm yeah. going to cry. Yeah. Blue. Anyway, uh, we want to thank our guest, Andre Salas of the Atheist Candidates Project. Um, Andre is a, a, a great guy. He, we, he's been in studio with us before, really cool guy. And, uh, and he really knows his stuff. We're going to post a link to his stuff on this week's show notes. Um, and some of the notes that he had mentioned too, will be also on the, at, on this week's show notes, episode 440. That's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like you always do with the skeptics creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, 
and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.